Hi, everybody. It's Jonah Pallone, and welcome to Owner Operated, conversations with small business millionaires. Listen, when I was growing up, most people just told me to follow the normal path and get a job at a big company with quote-unquote job security. Eventually, I woke up, and I pursued business going to UNC Keenan Flagler for undergrad. It was a great experience, but almost everything I was taught in the business school centered around big business and startups. During college, I was fortunate enough to land a position where I get to be around small business owners every day. I get an inside look at how they make tough decisions. I know more about these business owners than a lot of their spouses. With Owner Operated, I want to let you in behind the curtain. Listen, my entire life I've heard people give business owners a bad rap. Since I've gotten involved in helping business owners sell their companies at Midstreet, I've learned that most often the opposite is true. Small business owners are often the most giving and supportive people I surround myself with. I'm on a mission to get the word out that small business ownership is a good thing, but don't get it twisted. I'm going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. A lot of emotions, a lot of hard work, and just what makes these businesses so special, the people behind them. Join me on my journey into the world of small business ownership. And if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating on iTunes and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you like. Today, my guest is Alex Brandwine, owner of Brandwine's Bagels in Chapel Hill. Alex and I go back. We actually met at Chapel Hill. We met at Keenan Flagler Business School. Um, and in this episode, we share some funny stories. Uh, we share how he got into the bagel business from a successful career in investment banking, how he's building the business, and how he manages life outside the shop. So I hope you enjoy the show and let me know what you think. So Alex, man, thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Tell everybody how we met. Um, so I was a first year MBA. Um, at UNC Keenan Flagler's Business School. And both Joan and I signed up for the mentor mentee program. And because of our real estate connection, we got teamed up together. <laughs> and from there, a friendship began um, yep. that turned into a little less mentor mentee, but more just two people supporting each other on their paths. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, the first time we met, I was so, so nervous to meet you because I was like, this MBA is not going to be trying to teach me anything. <laughs> like, he's successful. To, but um, no, Alex has been a super, super good friend over the years. And so what I want to start off with is just tell people, so like when you came to me with this ideal of a bagel shop, I shot it straight down. <laughs> I mean, it was it was this perfect combination, right? You meeting you're meeting this MBA. I'm 31 years old. I've been in the finance industry for eight years. We're about to meet at IP3. We're getting a slice of pizza. You've got mozzarella hanging from your mouth. When I tell you, I want to open up a bagel shop in Chapel Hill. And you can instantly tell on your face, is, this guy is going to be my mentor. Um, he's supposed to be telling me about how to get into finance and banking and private equity. And he's doing almost the opposite and staying local and opening up a, a bagel shop. Exactly. Well, that's, you know, it's funny. That's, that's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is podcast is about small business ownership and you know, you know, part of it is why people choose to go into that lane. And you're a perfect example of that in the last couple of years going into doing brand wines. So I guess let's start off with why did you, how did you come up with the idea for a bagel shop and why did you choose to, to go into that lane? Sure. So as I said, my background was finance. I was working in Midtown Manhattan. For me, like choosing small business was choosing the local community. I love the idea of going an inch wide and a mile deep in a place and being on the 39th floor in Midtown Manhattan and staring at an Excel file in your cubicle. It 
it just felt for me personally like there there was more that I had to do, more that I wanted to be involved with, and I wanted to be connected with people. I was excited to meet you and help and be involved any way I could. Um, the bagel idea, I just couldn't believe there wasn't a bagel shop in Chapel Hill. I mean, this is College Town, USA, and being from New York, born and raised, I ate bagels every single day. And bagels for me, when it comes to like connection, feeling good, that's what bagels were. Um, throughout the craziness of my household to college years to working in the city, there's just something about a bagel and cream cheese or a bacon, egg and cheese that just makes everything better. Absolutely. And the idea of the bagel shop being that and just being something that makes your day just a little bit better. I felt like that was a really cool thing to bring to a community that I was, I was falling in love with. I love that, man. I love that. And, and so I guess let's take it back to when you said, Jonah, I want to open up a bagel shop. What do you think about that? (laughs) When you said that to me, you know, the first thing I thought, for those who aren't aware of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, it's it's a super unique place. It's a pretty small town, small college type of vibes. And there is a bagel restaurant on main campus. Um, what was it called again? Do you remember the name of Alpine it? Alpine Bagel. Alpine Bagel. Yep. So for me at that time, you were telling me, and I was still going to Alpine Bagel regularly. I was like, oh, there's going to be no need. There's already saturation there. But once you get out of main campus, there's no options, right? right? And was that like a big part of your thinking at the time, thinking in terms of the men, uh, MBAs and stuff like that? I was thinking about the entire town just for downtown Chapel Hill. Like I knew there was an on-campus option, but I wanted to be the authentic, freshly made New York style bagel option. And I thought that was unique enough to separate us from an Alpine bagel that was sort of a, an on-campus option. Um, and I, that was really the big question for me. Was there demand for it? Was it just me that wanted this? Or could people not differentiate between an Alpine and uh, and like an authentic New York style bagel? And, and co- clearly they could. Um, but for you, was there any pushback from the school, I guess it would have been, for, for opening that shop? Because I mean, they already had a you know, competing sort of business. No, they're – the school I actually met with with uh, Chapel Hill Carolina Dieting Services. They're doing everything they can to provide students with the best services. So they hire a third party um, to bring in places like Alpine to provide food for students. So anything that adds to the experience of Chapel Hill and UNC, they're all about. Um, and maybe one day, knock on wood, if things go well, uh, maybe we can be on campus one day too. I always thought of Alpine and all sort of food, you know, generic sort of food offerings like Alpine is that's a service and we want to bring, be more than that. We want to give an experience to you, um, beyond just awesome bagels, but hopefully a feeling when you come into the shop. And that sounds a lot like, uh, what the real estate guys would, would tell me when they're talking about a new development. So there's no, no surprises there. Uh, one of the things, so when, when you came to me with that news as well, when you said, you know, this is something I'm thinking about, what do you think about it? I guess uh, another thing that went through my head was how would you even start something like that? You know, walk me through when you told me that, and, and we're in the planning stages to actually getting, you started with, um, what were they called? The, um, the pop-up shops. Yeah. Walk me through that. Sure. I mean, when I told you, Jonah, I still was, it was a curiosity. I mean, I'm planning it. I was excited about it, but I had no idea. I mean, even today, now it's two years later, three years later, and I cannot believe it exists. Like it's that crazy. Um, to your question, I, um, it was, a there, how do you do it? So there are three questions I was trying to ask myself. I needed to answer one is there demand for a New York style bagel in Chapel Hill? 
Two, how do you actually do it? Like operationally, how do you run a bagel shop? Like getting the food, making it happen, hiring a team, all the X's and O's with that. And then three, financially, um, does this business make sense? Um, could it could it work? Could it make a profit? Could it potentially provide me and a future family one day um, with a living? And so those are the questions I was sort of working under. The pop-ups were really the first test on the concept and to see if people were really digging this Brandwides Bagels concept of authentic New York-style bagels um, served in a fun and welcoming way for the community. And so we did them in large form. Um, not just testing the bagels, but sandwiches, drinks. We wanted the full experience, music playing, um, games everywhere. Like is like we wanted to create that familial type of feel. Um, and then we did mini pop-ups all over campus, just trying bagels and seeing if, uh, if seeing, seeing if something could catch. Yeah. And did you read any, what gave you the idea to be so nimble, especially in the beginning? Because when I think of your business, I think of you guys pivot so well with things. And that's sort of ingrained in, the, in your culture, right? Why is it like that? I That's a great question. I um, The whole idea of the bagel shop was to have fun. Um, and that gives me the flexibility to adapt to things that can be fun. Or, and fun is making it – it doesn't mean we don't toast our bagels or we won't slice them a certain way or we won't serve a blueberry bagel – with an egg and cheese sandwich, like it's supposed to be something that adapts to our community, our customers. And so that gives me a lot of freedom to do what I feel is going to be well received. And instead of having sort of a rigid platform, and this is what we're about, um, the mission and value of Brand Wines is to be there for our community. And so it allows us to have a really good time and sort of adapt to things. And so when things like COVID hit, we started a thing called Saturdays Are for Bagels. And we took orders on Mondays and then created safe ways to either drop bagels off at people's doors or do six feet distanced um, pickups. Um, and it was just a really fun way to sort of adapt to the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, um, I believe I did one of those in the in the early stages and it was absolutely delicious. I guess. So, so question for you, when you were starting this process, how many, <laughs> how many bagels did you mess up? I mean, you must've been in the lab cooking bagels. Oh my goodness. Non-stop. So we have to start with the fact that I don't know how to cook. <laughs> I am, I'm, you're, I'm someone that ordered sushi every single night for eight years working in, um, in the city. And going into a kitchen in and of itself is intimidating. And then burning myself, I mean, my forearms just riddled with scars. So many like bagel hockey pucks of just burnt bagels, basically. Um, it took a really, really long time. And while I didn't know how to cook, what I did know is bagels. And I knew exactly the taste I was going for. And so it allowed me to keep playing around with the ingredients to get it to something that I was at least proud enough to, to share with others. So you actually created the recipes? Yeah. I did a ton of Googling and started off with a billion different recipes and then kept adjusting it and, and going back to the core. I think a lot of bagel recipes add a lot of other stuff to it. Our recipe just has five simple ingredients to it, which goes all the way back to New York City and the Lower East Side when bagels came to the U.S. Um, and that was really important to me and then came up with the recipe from there. 
That's awesome, man. So let's, we, we've talked a little bit about the business. Let's back up and talk about your story. Cause you know, again, I met you through the MBA, UNC's MBA real estate mentorship program. So, you know, walk me through, why were you my mentor? <laughs> what were you yeah, doing? Why was I qualified to be <laughs> yeah, your mentor? Well, exactly. Um, so, uh, like I said, born and raised in New York. I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison for undergrad. Um, while I had dreams of being a professional ice hockey player at one point, I'm also five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. And so I sort of decided business was a great route to go. Um, playing hard, working hard, working on a team, being competitive, being thoughtful. I loved all that dynamic and working towards a goal like that for me is really exciting. So I worked my way through the Wisconsin's business school program, similar to you at Kenan Flagler and fell upon this thing called investment banking and was fortunate to get an opportunity to go work um, in Chicago at Bank of Montreal, which was their U.S. headquarters at the time in their real estate investment banking group. Um, did that for about a year and a half or so. And then still, as much as I loved living in Chicago, I was excited to go back to New York and really implant myself there and, and live in New York City and had the opportunity to go from Bank of Montreal to J.P. Morgan, where I worked for another two and a half years and was fortunate to move up from an analyst to an associate and got just tremendous real estate experiences, um, large merger and acquisition deals, taking companies public. Um, it was tremendous experience for myself of first just being a professional coming out of undergraduate and learning what A-plus work was, um, and at the same time learning how to understand business transactions. I was able to take that and move on from the sell side to the buy side and got a position working at Alliance Bernstein in their real estate private equity group where we had about $2 billion to go invest in commercial real estate across the United States. And that was an incredible opportunity to learn how to make an investment, whether it was real estate or bagel shops, understanding how to value a deal, um, understanding the risks involved in it and how to actually go from beginning to end was a tremendous experience for me. Um, having said all that, the environment of being in New York City and and that world was was just not for me. And I think I knew that the whole time. I always felt like I was banging a circle into a square. And it was just a moment of needing to pull back and get my MBA. And the thinking around the MBA was, let's see if there's other ways to do business than working 100 hours per week um, the way I'd been doing it for the past eight years. And I want to dial in even deeper on uh, when you kind of came to terms with yourself that this is not the right path for me. Because I think a lot of people listening, they might be on that path right now. They might be that, you know, 23-year-old, 25-year-old Alex or, you know, whatever that is for them. Right. And they're they're exploring this career. They're getting accolades. They're gaining a lot of status maybe and, and perhaps a lot of money too. But maybe they're starting to think those dissonant thoughts. You know, what would you tell yourself at 25 years old, at 23 years old, you know, to get to where you are now? I, I, looking back on it, I had such blinders on, um, similar to, as you said, I thought I was doing a good job. I was working hard. I was making good money and I was setting myself up for a future, what I thought was happiness and being able to provide myself and a future family one day, um, as my mom had done for 40 years working, um, as well. And so I sort of just did it and I didn't really think about it. Meanwhile, I didn't realize that I was actually hurting myself probably more than helping myself in the long run. And I would go back and tell 23 or 25 year old Alex to take a breath, to look around, 
um, and really think about, is this something that is fulfilling for me for the long run? Or is this just a short-term thing that's going to end up burning you out um, in the short run? And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, which is probably why I kept doing what I was doing. And it was only taking the time through the MBA experience where I started to find something that I was passionate about. And from there, I'm a believer that sort of everything else can take care of itself. If you know what you're, if you sort of follow your passions and stay connected to people that are really motivating for you. Um, I'm a, now a huge, huge believer in that. I love that, man. And, and that's been a common theme as, I, as I've talked to more and more business owners. It's at a certain period, they take this leap of faith, man. And and you took that. So when you were in your corporate career at the end of your career, what was the moment when you real? was there a single moment where you were like, all right, I need to go get my MBA and figure things out? Um, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, Jonah, I was I was not in a good place. Um, that idea, that concept of burnout, um, it hit me, it hit me hard and I were, I really wasn't sure what I was supposed to do or what I wanted to do. Um, an MBA program seemed like the great place to sort of figure it out. Um, I can't say if there was an exact moment, but it was probably just coming over all these years where I finally hit a moment where I need to make a change or I'm going to put myself in a pretty bad place. So that was, that was a huge sort of fortunate moment where I had the courage, honestly, to leave because you've got this safety net, right? You're making really great money. You're sort of on this track that in many ways society has created for you. And you're sort of everyone around you says you're at the job. If you go get an MBA, you're actually going to get an MBA for the job that people that MBAs want. Um, yet, despite all that, I knew it wasn't right for me. And I sort of jumped away from that safety net I'd created for myself and was willing to take a chance. Man, people need to hear this because, you know, I've heard this time and time again, and it's, you know, you go to Kenyon Flagler or any of these, you know, B schools and they provide a really great education. They teach you a lot of good leadership skills, communication skills, but most schools and educational pathways train you just to be a good employee or just to kind of be a cog in a massive wheel like that, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with it necessarily, but if you're not the right person for it, it can really affect your your ment- mental mental state. Absolutely. I mean, that's what was so... I sort of looked around the table at my old job and a lot of the my colleagues, like they were built for it and they were incredible, thoughtful, um, so smart, um, so incredible at what they did, and they were they were made for. It. And I always just felt like this just isn't me. Um, but to your comment around Keenan Flagler, like that was what drew me in. Um, one of my really good friends from J.P. Morgan went to Keenan Flagler, went to his wedding. He invited his professors. I was like, "What? You're inviting your professors to your wedding?" And <laughs> that drew me in even more. I was like, "Wow, this is going to be a place that really is going to support you." And even when I came to Keenan Flagler thinking real estate was going to be my jam, just maybe in a different context, I met with them two weeks in and I said, you know, I will keep real estate sort of in my back pocket, but I kind of want to explore the rest of Keenan Flagler. And instead of me being nervous having that conversation, which I was, instantaneously they said, cool. 
what do, what do you want to do? Absolutely. Let's talk about it. Um, let's get into it. And, and that, they're so that says it all. good at that. And, and I have to really shout them out because so many of the, the staff that they have that's kind of in that counselor position or advisory role, they're, they're just so good at helping you figure things out. They're really not that biased at all. I mean, it's I've dealt with a lot of counselors in my life in terms of like school stuff, and, and they're really top notch. I have to give it to them. It's, it's those people like that kicked it off that made Chapel Hill instantly feel like a place that I'd never experienced before. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. So, so you're in Keenan Flagler now and you're, you're sort of uncertain of what you want to do. You kind of open it back up to, okay, well, I'm just going to look at what's here. This is like two weeks in, right? Yeah. What, what was kind of the pathway to brand wines from there? So, I mean, I'd love to tell you that it was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to be a bagel guy instantaneously. That first year was really hard because as you said, people come in, invest in banking, consulting, um, and very clear on their path. I probably spent the first year doing a lot of addition by subtraction. So I sort of had this bagel idea percolating in the background and I was playing around with it, but it was something more of a curiosity. And it kept growing, right? And I got into these awesome programs like Adam's Apprenticeship, which helped to sort of foster this idea. And then uh, being like the background that I had and the risk-averse person that I had been, it was difficult for me. I mean, there was a certain point though. Let's say now it's been a year. It's probably May of 2019. And one, I'm trying to figure out what to do for the summer because that's a big thing in an MBA land is what do you do for your summer internship? And then two, and one of my friends sort of articulated this so well, and they said, are you writing a white paper on what it would be like to open up a bagel shop in Chapel Hill, or are you actually going to do it? And that's sort of that moment of planning versus doing that really struck for me at, at a certain time, you just got it. You just got to do it. I love that. That's, you know, in some ways a lot for me, the same thing with this podcast It's like, you can only plan so much and then you really just got to start running. You just got to go out, get the equipment and, and figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. This show is brought to you by Midstreet Mergers and Acquisitions, a business intermediary based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, that specializes in selling businesses generating $1 to $25 million in revenue in the Southeast. If you own a business and are considering an exit or you know someone who is, check out their website and contact them at midstreet.com. That's M-I-D-street.com. Back to the show. That's awesome, man. So you said something earlier that kind of spoke to me, which is that, you know, really what your goal, your mission was is to create something that was a fun environment and that, you know, brought back to the community. And that's great. And I'm sure that that exists because I've been there and it's awesome. But the times weren't always easy. I remember you telling me you were staying up super late at night making bagels, right? Walk me through some of those stories in the beginning and probably even up to now. Walk me through some of those stories. Sure. I mean, it's that's always been the mission, I mean, that's what makes brand wines fun and worthwhile is that drive to provide it. Like bagels are the engine to, to create that feeling for people. I mean, that's always been there. Um, but yes, I, in many ways, I'm still working the same hours I was working at my previous jobs. It just feels like the end result and the experience of it is completely to the positive. Um, those moments, those moments when things don't go right and you are, you've already crushed it, they hurt. I mean, I'd be lying to you if it's uh, this, this hasn't been hard. This is a roller coaster ride where you're riding super, super high highs and then low lows. And at the end of the day, you're on your couch and you're just like, 
that was awesome, but man, that was tough. So an example, um, our first pop-up that we did, I had been doing small batches of bagels. I did one big catering before that. And then for the pop-up, I was planning on doing about a thousand bagels for the day. And I was really excited because I just got in my car to go to Restaurant Depot, which is basically the Costco for for food vendors. And I bought all this parchment paper, which was different than the really fancy Whole Foods parchment paper that I'd been using up to this point. And I lost 300 bagels. I had been hand rolling 1,000 bagels the day before. So about seven or eight hours of doing that. Just you. Just me um, (laughs) from about um, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then, were you listening to podcasts or listening to music? I'm listening to music. I am bouncing away. I am going as fast as I possibly can. I'm prepping the place, decorating the place. Had some awesome friends from the MBA program help out with that. And then you go to bed for a couple hours, and then you wake up at eleven o'clock midnight. You head back to the shop and start prepping your bake for the next day. I've got all my bagels baked. Everything's coming out just right, and then. 300 of them are stuck to the parchment paper and we lose them. And that moment where you've, you know, just blood, sweat and tears has gone into this thing and you're, it's about to open and you've got to, you've got to throw away 300 bagels. That's a moment where I was very close to losing it, had to take that walk into the freezer, take a breath, let some tears out, catch your breath and, and go back in with a smile and be there for your team all these friends were there to help and out and ready to go. Speaking of another career coach, Megan Gosk was there ready and willing. Um, so you just sort of, you know, just keep moving forward. I think a big thing from this entire experience, one thing I tell myself all the time is just be patient, play another card in that instant where you think everything is going to crumble, give it a second and it will act, you can figure things out, you can make it work, and you'll actually more often than not be okay. And for someone like myself that definitely wears his emotions on his sleeve and is passionate, um, reminding myself to take a breath has been has been really helpful. Do you think, I mean, that, that speaks to a lot of your perseverance too, because the, the ability to just overcome that, I mean, I, obviously it was not easy, but you persevered and you kept going. Do you think, for the people listening, do you think that's something that's just inside of you, or did you build that in yourself? I don't know. Um, I think it's built up over the years. I think it's still building, honestly. Um, but the years of hard work, the years in finance, that that motor just keeps it just keeps going. And, um, and you say a hundred hour weeks, and I think a lot of people don't understand what that really means. I mean, it's a hundred hour weeks. I mean, tra- chart that out on a weekly basis. It's not fun. You're, yeah, I mean, a typical day in investment banking, you are working all day. You're going to work till about eleven o'clock at night. You've already eaten. You've already done some work. At eleven, you might finish, go home, shower, shave, put on some new clothes, head back at one o'clock in the morning, and keep working all the way again until 11 o'clock the next night. And that was sort of what you needed to do. And so similarly in the bagel business, when you're baking at all hours of the night, you're prepping everything, you're marketing everything, you're managing everything. Um, those hours start to start to run up too. Crazy, man. So you started in the business. Obviously, it was just you. You had some some awesome friends help assist you, but really it was like you doing a lot of it. When you, Now, it's not necessarily just you, right? You have a whole team built out. 
what is your, first of all, how did you build that and, and how are you operating today? How involved in the actual business are you versus sort of working on the business and outside of it? Yeah. Um, well, I would argue there's always been people like this thing is energized from so many incredible people from the very, very beginning to conversations with you saying, go get it, man, to I've come up with these to my family. My mom's been insanely helpful to advisors that I've met at UNC to other small bagel business owners have been so helpful to me. Um, and then I've got some key advisors. My buddy, Mark, um, who helped us do our first pop-up was incredibly helpful. And then we found our first hire hire was our culinary manager, Sean. And he was a huge, um, person in, in taking sort of my energy and my, this sort of idea and this concept and really institutionalizing it as someone that had, that had years and 30 plus years of real restaurant experience and knowing how to take a great idea and concept and turn and turn it into a seven day a week business. Those were the people that helped. And today, fast forward, we've got 34 team members. Um, and it's weird. I'd say my involvement sort of ebbs and flows as the days needed. Um, some days we'll get a call and I'm in at four o'clock in the morning and I'm baking again. And then other days I'm working on the business just as much. And it feels incredible. Like we're here right now, it's two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And I don't need to be in the shop because we've got such a great team and so many incredible people that are supporting and working on the vision and believe in it. That's pretty amazing. That's awesome. And then at the same time, for me, Saturdays and Sundays, like those are the Super Bowls of the day. Like you're working all week, you're prepping all week to get ready for those big Saturday Sundays. And for me, I love being in the nitty gritty and fighting on with the rest of our team on those days. That's awesome, man. I love the energy you bring too, man. It's um, if you guys haven't checked out brand wines, you you just have to go if you're in North Carolina near Chapel Hill. It's it's amazing. Thank you. Um, so let's I guess let's take it back to random question I have for you. And yeah. this is just, as you started to take yourself out of the business a little bit more, you're here at 2 p.m. and you have a team back at work working right now. Was that a little awkward to do at first? Yeah, very awkward. I'm still learning how to let go. I'm still learning to be a boss. I've never been a boss before. And when I'm giving feedback to team members, I'm asking for feedback too, because I'm want to be the best boss I can be. And I've never done it before. So we're all learning together. And I tell anyone that comes to work with us that we are a startup. This is brand new. If your energy's there and your heart's in it, like let's work together. Um, feedback is only coming from a place of love and support because we all want and believe in being the best bagel shop we can be. So that only works if we're being honest with one another. Um, but it's hard to let go. Uh, this is my baby. I live five minutes away from the shop. I would do anything for this team as well as for the shop. And so there is a little bit of for myself personally um, to come to terms with that. I also think two or three years from now, knock on wood, we're still a thing. Um, it will be a failure on my part if I haven't created a system where it, it feels really livable. And not something that feels like I have to be working a hundred hours a week. That's 
I need to do a good job on that part to empower and give our team the ability to make this thing run where it doesn't feel like we're just this fledging startup every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's benefits to that energy, but at the same time, you have to balance it with creating those systems and processes. Have you read the book Traction? Have you heard of that book? I have, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if I read it all the way through. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, just the concept of that e-myth concept of slowly pulling yourself out so that you can really make the business what it should be and what, you know, the best that it could be. And this is an interesting topic because in my mind, there's sort of two main paths you can go. You can sort of be that owner operator, which is what this podcast is named after, but not necessarily it's all about. You could be that owner operator who comes into the business every single day, works with the team every single day, or maybe you could you know, choose to back yourself almost fully out. And now you're working on the business almost 100%, maybe you'd call it 95%. There's obviously a ton in between those two buckets. You know, let's say it's 10 years from now, what would you prefer to do? What do you think you'd like to do? What's the vision of Brandwines too? Sure. Um, so a few things. I love working at Brandwines. Like I wish I was 19 years old and an employee at Brandwines. I like for me, the fun is being in the shop. It's being with people. It's being with our team. It's elbow high fives while we're working through the day and doing little things that make it special for each customer that comes through the door. Like if you told me I was working an eight hour shift at the register, I'd be happy as a clam. Like that's fun for me. Um, I know my job requires to do a lot other things to make it happen, but I love being in the shop. Um, so the building aspect, the working on the business, the person in the office again, I know it's a necessity of the job, but it's not it's not my happy place. That's awesome. What are some of the things that you've had to do to slowly back yourself out of those responsibilities where you have to come in super late? I mean, obviously you still do to a certain extent, but what are some of those systems? I I mean, for me it's it's just not burning myself at all ends, right? And trusting our team to open up every morning, the bakers to come in, set everything up, the production team who's making the dough for the next day and working till eight o'clock at night. I mean, there's someone at the shop from three or four o'clock in the morning baking the dough to eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, making preparing the dough for the next day. And I can't be there at every moment of the day. So letting go of that has been important. And so we've done a really good job of hiring and now promoting people within to make up our executive team. So we now have a head baker, we have our culinary manager, we have a front of house manager, and the four of us come together. We meet every Monday and talk about each of our departments, what we can do, how we can make things better, and how things are operating. So those have been moments where that have given me the ability to step back a bit. And like you said, work on the business. Like my job is to support the business, support the team, and also bring in more business for for our team and create those opportunities. Um, so when I think about the vision of Brandwine's Bagels, right now, today, I love the idea of being um, even bigger in Chapel Hill than expanding to another market. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity here and it's important to sort of get everything you can out of that before just jumping ship and thinking it's going to go work in a second market. I almost compare it to music and that first album, it's awesome. You put your blood, sweat and tears into it and you just automatically think, wow, we can do that again. Let's open up, you know, somewhere else. 
it's just not that easy. Um, and so if we were to ever think about a second market, it would we'd spend a lot of time getting to know all the – like we know all the people on Franklin Street. We know everyone that works for the town. We've gotten to know so many incredible students, including yourself at UNC. And it, it felt like a family. Like we were coming in and it almost – it was just natural that we popped up somewhere in downtown Chapel Hill or at least that's my sense of it. Um, anything beyond that, we would we would think about very closely. Absolutely. And, and that was the one thing I wanted to touch on too is you guys obviously started – and, and you're here and successful really, really fast. I mean, it, it's crazy to look back on how long has it been? Two, three years? I mean, that's just not a long time. It's it's wild. I mean, I still look at the logo and I cannot <laughs> believe it. Like, it's a thing. <laughs> you got that imposter syndrome thing going on, yeah? I live with it. Yeah. <laughs> but one big theme for you too seems to be you have really good people around you. And maybe that's just a, you know, a, again, going back to the skill versus born with it thing. But how did you meet, for example, your, your culinary guy, I forget his name. His um, name's Sean. Sean. How did you meet Sean? How did you meet, you know, the, the folks around you? how did you hire your first employees? How did this all, yeah the connections aspect of it? That was such a huge part of it. Um, the time spent on rating the advertisement for the job. I mean, Sean and I, we, basically met four or five times we dated at least four or five times he worked unhired at one of our pop-ups he cooked for mark and myself we met on separate occasions i knew that first hire was so critical to setting a foundation of who we are what we're about like we're about to be brothers in arms here and that first hire is so critical. So I spent a lot of time thinking about um, who they are, what they're about, knowing them deeper than just can this person cook some eggs because um, that's not what the job requires. The job requires a heart and soul that they can pass on to everybody else. Um, one thing, one book that stands out to me is Danny Meyer's Setting the Table. And Danny Meyer, the founder of Shake Shack and uh, Gramercy Tavern and Union Square Cafe, his book talks about hospitality and that you have it or you don't have it. And that sense of I can understanding people and taking care of people and having a love for that. And however it comes out, whether it's food or service or whatever, um, is so critical. And so we ask questions in our interviews that brings that out. We ask them, what's their favorite customer experience that they've had? Like, what's a special moment where they've done something for someone else? Um, what's a favorite quote or mantra that you have? Um, What's a feeling you left brand? You just got hired by Brandwine's Bagels. You're working here. You're leaving for your day. What is the feeling or why do you feel happy about your job? And we'll explain that to us. And if that doesn't fit into what we're about, because you're just trying to just get through your day, get your eight hours and move on, uh, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I guess another question I have, you, you, as part of business, you're either, it seems to be, again, another com- common theme I keep getting again and again, you've got some sort of an analytical guy and you've got a, you know, relationships, sales, you know, sort of breadwinner type guy. Do you fit that bill or do you, because of your real estate experience, you probably have both of those skills, right? I'd like to think so. Um, I I think I always had the relational part, like that's just me, which is why I think I never felt totally comfortable in that Wall Street um, Sitting environment. Sitting in front of an Excel screen for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, and also just the no mercy, sharp elbows mentality. I, I'm 
I'm a more the merrier. I'm not a zero sum game type of person. I'm a I want everyone to win type of person. And so that was always really huge to me. And the skills that I picked up in my previous life, those just helped me fulfill the relational perversion of myself that comes out every day. And so having that background, having that skill set, which in many ways was unnatural for me, like I'm just not good at math, I'll say that. Um, But I worked that muscle, a muscle that I never had before this has proven to be really helpful when making decisions about how to feed something that I love and care for more than anything. Absolutely. And then one more thing, just on that same sort of topic, when you were hiring your first employee, you had a lot of folks that work for you who weren't hires. How did you do that? That's pretty, it seems uncommon to me. I don't know the restaurant industry that well, but how did you manage that? How did you set that in, up? In terms of? You had a lot of, it seemed like you had a lot of employees right from the, the get-go, and you probably didn't hire those people right away, but you obviously paid them, but how oh, did that all work? We did, so we had a lot of like MBAs and friends helping out, and they sort of went to the wayside once this thing became official, which was amazing. I wish I could hire all of my MBA friends, because they're incredible. A little expensive. <laughs> but a little expensive. I can't afford half of them. Um, we did a massive hiring process. And the thought of it now makes me just tired to think about. We posted it, our job listings all over the internet, um, and then spent three weeks. I was doing 10 to 15 interviews a day. Wow. Calling every single person, going through those questions that I just sort of ran through with you, and then bringing them back in for a second in-person interview. And I know, and maybe that's the benefit, right? Almost because I'm not in the restaurant industry, my background was that's how you do interviews. You do a really thorough phone interview, and then you bring them in, in person, and you get to spend even more time with them. And that extra time, because that's not typical in food, but in my previous life, that's what you did allowed us to really get to know um, each team member, both on a professional side and also as a personal side. Because the fact is, I, the team members, like our base of our business starts with the team. If the team's not good, nothing else works. And so their livelihood, their happiness, however I can support them, um, is something I take really, really seriously. You can access previous episodes of Owner Operated and sign up for my free weekly newsletter where I summarize topics from each episode and send them straight to your inbox at jonahpalone.com in the show notes. That's jonahpalone.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell a friend to help more people find Owner Operated. Back to the episode. So what are some things you do nowadays to get outside of the business more and sort of you know, avoid what what happened to you in the corporate environment. What are some pastimes you have? Hobbies, spending time with friends and family. You've you've hit on you've hit on a nerve because that is something I'm spending a lot of time checking on. Um, repeating the same mistakes is not something I wish to do, and so I'm spending a lot of time trying to make sure I don't fall into that trap. Um, so even this past weekend. I went to the beach. I went to Wrightsville Beach um, for a day, just 24 hours, drove out to the beach after a busy Sunday, spent the day on Sunday afternoon and Monday just being by the water and 
just turning things off for a minute. And as simple as that sounds for someone like me, that's that was a big accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so little things like that, working out, I've gotten big into, I have a life coach that I talk to weekly. I've gotten big into meditation, doing things that will make sure that I'm a little bit more balanced this time around. And I, I really hope that I don't fall into the same trappings because mm-hmm. it wasn't the finance industry. And yes, you can point fingers at that culture, but I think it's a responsibility of me um, and how I set this up I this time agree. to make sure I don't repeat that. So I think your question was spot on and something I'm really trying hard to make sure that I do make time for things that are fun, even just doing this podcast that takes me away. But like, this is awesome. And this, this is fun. And like, this is somewhere I want to be spending time. And you're someone that I respect and admire and love what you're doing. So to be part of it, like that's, that's for me, like good energy. And you're asking questions that are really <laughs> getting me excited. So all that stuff, um, I'm trying to keep energizing that and running to it as opposed to pushing it away. Yeah. I love that, man. I love, and I appreciate you too, brother. Um, I also just kind of talking about that same point. I'm, I'm younger than you, obviously I haven't been like dogging it out in the corporate world for years, but you know, we work hard at mid street and, and there's, it, to your point, it's a personal responsibility to do that. And, and it's definitely harder when you're working a hundred hours. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, but you know, even for me, there was a period of time, you know, I got out of school um, back in May of 2020 and started working full time. And it was, you know, there were, it was a little bit of an adjustment. I'm sort of that all in type personality as well. And I was putting a lot of hours towards work and I wasn't really making enough time for myself gained a little bit of weight, stopped going to the gym as much, you know, just that whole same story that a lot of people have told before. Yeah. Um, I just started ratcheting those disciplines up like, okay, I'm just going to go to the gym four days a week. And that's just is what it is. I'm blocking out that time. And even more recently, like I went through a little bit of a slog two months ago and I started jujitsu and I absolutely love it, man. I go three days a week and you you mentioned life coach and, and, and counseling and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all for that. And for me that right now that's jujitsu, man, I get on the mats and I just clear my head and I'm focused and I'm talking to my coach. I was going to say the teachers must be incredible. Oh my gosh. They're so awesome. The instruction there is just insane. But, but more than that, it's a mental thing for me because I have a day job. I've got all these other passions that I'm interested in, but because I was able to say, all right, Jonah, you just need to take some time for yourself. Massively helpful for me. That's so cool to hear. I mean, good for you because early on in particular, like you just graduated college, there's this energy that's built up like I'm ready to work and to give yourself early on that creating those sort of patterns like cheers to you that's, yeah, that's great I appreciate that it's it's something I work on hard all the time it's like one thing that I'm decently good at now that I've identified is being able to select all right you're looking at yourself every year and sort of taking it all in again am I on the right path here right right that's something I'm super super big on and I'm really glad that you you're kind of on that same page totally I, and the other thing, like finding those people, like like your mentor, like the coach at Jiu-Jitsu, like I've been so fortunate in this community and in this new world of having that support system that is that, that does have my back, that isn't saying work a little bit more. It's saying, how can we help you create the lifestyle that you want, that I have you know, mentors that are at telling me to make a vision board, like what does yeah. success actually look like for you? Because success of one entrepreneur can look different from another. Um, it's not all, just, and, and for you, I bet it's just not all about cars and nice houses. No, if anything, it's, uh, I've been very much turned away from that. Um, I remember early on in my career, someone said to me, you sort of have three, sort of, if you can rank the three things in your life, 
as it relates to a job, people, the job itself, and making money, how do you prioritize those three? And without a doubt, it is the people, it's the job, and and then money. I believe if you're following the people and the jobs, the money will take care of itself. And and for a long time, I probably had that order mixed up. Absolutely, man. And it's so so important for people to hear that. I think we're, you're giving good advice. And speaking of advice, so you know I'm doing the podcast. You know yeah. a little bit about my career with Midstreet. What would you recommend to someone in my position in terms of advice from what you've learned? We've gone through a little bit of your lessons, but what are some of the things you would say? First off, have fun. Like, like really have fun with it. Like there's a creativity and like playing around with it. I, even the word entrepreneur gets so like sucked into this formality, this box. And if you're just curious and excited about something and exploring it, like that's keep running towards that, like keep running towards that. Um, because that's when the great stuff happens. Um, and keep an eye out for special people and keep them close to you because those people are going to empower you, excite you, connect you to new things. Um, that's in my mind, what the journey is really all about. I love that man. Sage advice. I love it. Um, book recommendations. We're going to wrap up relatively soon here. Book recommendations. You mentioned one book already. What was the title again? Um, that was Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Um, I am a huge Teddy Roosevelt person. Um, he is He's a hero of mine. His just do it attitude. Um, so anything, any biography, any story about him is incredible. Um, that's one of our like sayings for the shop is, and one of his quotes is, the most valuable thing that life has to offer is to work hard at work worth doing. And for me, that's what Brand Wines Bagels feels like. This feels like something worthwhile. And if we can make your day a little bit better, um, the Teddy Roosevelt way is worth it. Um, no matter the winning, the losing, being in the arena, being in there, blood, sweat, tears, flour, everything all over you, um, that's what life's about. And so Teddy Roosevelt's sort of attitude um, to just do it and figure it out and make it happen and just having so much energy of life every single day. Um, that's definitely a good read and someone I recommend people checking out. I'll check it out. That's super, uh, super unconventional. I love it. Um, how do you balance work life and family life? We've already talked about this, but, but specifically more on the family side of things, right? How do you balance that? I don't, I'm not like, I don't prescribe to the work-life balance and like work-life balance. And if you're not doing one, you're doing the other. I think it's all melded together today. Just life. I think it's just life. And I think the more personally, I believe like the sooner you accept that, the sooner you can actually help make a great life for yourself. It's really hard to separate the two with technology and everything else. So I do to try I do try to make time for those things, making sure like I'm a big phone call person. I emails, text, like I'm all about that, but get on the phone. Like go for like I take a bunch of walks and I call my mom, I call my sisters, I call my friends, and just those little check-ins are are super, super huge for me. All right, man. How can people reach you? Um, so they can definitely check us out at brandwinesbagels.com. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all brandwinesbagels.com. And for us, just come by, check us out, tell your friends. Um, we're just trying to spread the word. We're a brand new shop and excited to to for people just to try us. Absolutely, man. And you guys have a newsletter too, right? For uh... You can sign up on our website for a newsletter um, where I spill my guts and tell you about <laughs> the next big thing coming for Brandwines Bagels. Awesome, man. Cool. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. 
This episode is also sponsored by On Tops Roofing, a family-owned and operated business servicing the Triangle area of North Carolina since 1991. With a long-standing commitment to quality work and customer service, On Tops has grown to be recognized as one of the most respected roofing contractors in the Triangle. They offer roofing work, window replacements, siding replacements, and gutter installation services. Check them out at ontopsroofing.com. That's ontopsroofing.com. Thank you for listening to Owner Operated, conversations with small business millionaires. Be sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter at jonapalone.com, where I share the takeaways from each episode and share any resources or tips I find valuable. And if you like the episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It really does help the show grow and send it to a friend that you think would benefit from it. Thanks so much.